0: a town square media station Nine, eight, seven. <laughs> Three, two, one. stand by for wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors with your host drew kirby
1: Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm
0: Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis.
1: Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Ah, uh, this is
0: Craig Moore. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country, 955.
2: Welcome back to another great week here on the program. Uh, lots to talk about today. That has to do with feed grounds. Yeah, elk feed grounds. They may not particularly help us or hurt us here in this area. But Game and Fish wants input from all areas because there are those that travel to where these elk feed grounds are to do some hunting, and uh, they want your info. They want your input. And if you're not an elk hunter, they want your input. So we'll talk to Janet and Scott Edberg from Wyoming Game and Fish in just a bit to uh, discuss those feed grounds. Also, Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, we have some last-minute shopping ideas We're under a week away from Christmas, so if you're looking for a last-minute gift idea, we've got some of those for you. That's all coming up. And what are you doing with those kids during Christmas break? Janet Millick will give us some ideas a little later on in the program. Let's start it. What do you think? Let's get into Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Anything
0: goes extra fun. Woo! My Country 95.5. Wyoming, hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5.
2: We're rolling into this show today, and this is a very special show because we're going to share some information about it, something that's very uh, close to game and fish, especially here in the Casper area, nationwide and statewide. And that's a lot to do with the feed grounds throughout the state. And we have Janet and a new face or voice this week with Scott Edberg and Scott, thanks for joining us here on the show.
3: thanks for having us. So some of the projects that Scott and I have been working on um, together a lot lately are some of these statewide issues. And like you mentioned, it is very important to the CASPER office, But a lot of this takes place in Jackson and Pinedale, and so we really want to make sure that our constituents across the entire region know about this and know that that it is an important issue.
2: You want folks here to know because there are people that are very important to this entire program that are right here in our area.
3: Absolutely. We have a lot of stakeholders. Um, we have recently engaged 60 stakeholders in this process. And these are people that we're working directly with to provide them information about feed grounds. And then we're going to sit down and listen to them provide us with some out-of-box thinking.
2: Let's take a step back and let's explain what are the feed grounds. Scott, you, uh, you want to take this one?
4: Absolutely. I'd love to. So back in the early 1900s, the state of Wyoming began uh, feeding elk over in the Teton County area to deal with preventing elk from getting into ranchers' haystacks during severe winters. Um, That has um, continued on until today. Um, The Game & Fish operates 22 state-operated elk feed grounds in Teton, Lincoln, and Sublette County. Uh, We feed about uh, 15,000 elk on those feed grounds. We can feed up to about 6,000 tons of hay a year. And uh, we feed for oh, three to four months, depending on on winter severity.
2: So what are some other reasons the feeding grounds began other than keeping them out of the, out of the farmer's head?
4: It's also expanded now to prevent elk from co-mingling with domestic cattle. That's due to uh, brucellosis, which is a, a disease of both cattle and elk and wild bison. Uh, try to separate those two to prevent the transmission to to, to cattle. Um we keep uh, elk, uh, uh, we feed elk also to prevent uh, vehicle uh, and elk collisions, reduce damage to uh, other properties, allows us to maintain a very robust elk population, um, which is uh, above what our native winter range is available, and then it also reduces competition for other big big game species on those limited winter ranges in those parts of the state. So,
2: so in your opinion, has the feeding grounds, have they been a success?
4: Well, you know, feeding is, is a very complex issue. It carries with it um, biological, social, economic, and political considerations that we take, that we're taking into consideration. And, you know, the future of feed grounds um, is the reason why we're putting this process together that Janet started with. And, and our goal through this process that we'll get into here in a little bit is to develop a long-term feed ground management plan for the state's 22 elk feed grounds. This is not a, a process to look at closing feed grounds, but it's to, to look at everything related to feed grounds and how we will manage them and what they look like in the future, in the long-term future, not the immediate future, but actually into the long, long-term future.
2: So, Scott, how is the feeding program laid out? Um, you know,
4: we have uh two full-time employees. We we hire contract elk feeders throughout the, the winter. That's a seven-day a week job. Um it's definitely not a Monday through Friday job. Some of them are in very remote locations, 35 miles um from the nearest road or paved road or uh vehicle accessible road. You know, they have to snow machine in, stay uh stay several, several nights or the whole feeding season in a cabin in a remote area. So um, it's a very unique program to Wyoming. We have the biggest elk fee ground program of all the western states. And again, it's been in place for well over 100 years and for a variety of reasons that I mentioned earlier.
2: So, Janet, you guys are doing the second phase of this process. Are you doing it alone or are you looking for outside help or how are you really getting the information?
3: So so we started to look at all these questions and we put together a schedule of shared learning. And I might add in this entire process that we have hired an outside consultant who we are working with to kind of guide us through this process. And so with, with the guidance of her, we have have really put together a, a pretty neat shared learning schedule and what we're doing is is over the course of 13 weeks is we're putting together presentations whether it's through um, a live question and answer session that we're recording and then placing on YouTube for people to view at a later date where we're really coming up with a way to present this information to the public to these stakeholders to, to give everybody the same. Um, level of knowledge of of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis with feed grounds. What are the diseases that we deal with? Um, What happens if you deal with disease number one and then disease number two reacts in a different way? Lots of different things that we're really kind of presenting to the public and we want people to know about. Um, I think people... Think sometimes it's just um, a black and white issue, but it really is not. There's lots of shades of gray all around it. And what we're we're doing with this shared learning is we're posting it online, Drew. And so we really want to encourage the public to know that as we continue to progress, and right now we're just kind of in the early stages of this, so I think we have weeks one and two out there right now, but hopefully that will continue to have more information, they can go and watch these presentations and learn a little bit about the same thing the stakeholders are learning about and really come up with some out-of-the-box thinking and give us some fantastic ideas to incorporate into this long-term management plan
2: perfect let's hold right here and get into that a little deeper in just a few minutes again if you have any questions you can go to the my country 955 mobile app and ask them and we'll get them answered by game and fish more with Janet and Scott in just a few minutes
0: you're listening to Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors my country 955.
2: Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Game & Fish, Janet Millick, and Scott Edberg about elk feed grounds and the process behind it. And there's actually ongoing research to determine what should be done with these feed grounds. Now, now as Scott mentioned earlier, there are no plans to end the feed grounds. Now, Janet, the information collected is a little different than normal.
3: Absolutely. And, and our process is a little bit different. This is a collaborative process, so that does mean that we're working with with all different kinds of groups. We've got people who love us, we've got people who hate us, and we have people in between, and they're all a part of this, um, group. And so so what we're trying to do is, is not make them like each other and not make some like us and some hate us. But what we want to do is just sit down and listen to everything that everybody has to say. So, for example, let's just say that there's a sportsman out there who thinks that, you know, feed grounds are the best thing ever. He's going to say, you know, gosh, have you guys thought about keeping feed grounds open? And here's how you can do it blah. Or maybe you have someone out there who says, you know, disease is a real concern. Have you guys thought about stopping feeding and here's why? Okay, here's what you can do to help keep those elk a healthy wildlife population. And of course, the Wyoming Game and Fish Department is the final decision decision making entity on these plans and the, the recommendations that we put in there, but we just know that there are so many people out there with these, these great ideas that can really help us move this forward in the
2: future. And I want to point out that we have talked from the very beginning that those that work with Game and Fish are lovers of the outdoors. So, I mean, by no means are you guys trying to hurt any of the elk populations or any other big game at that.
3: Exactly, that's one of the things that I think people really need to recognize and Scott said it right out. This is not an exercise to close feed grounds. Um, we really wanna make sure that we're, we're doing what's best for the elk and that we're doing what's best for, for the people. Again, you've heard me say it a thousand times, our motto is conserving wildlife, serving people. And so we really wanna make sure that we're, we're meeting the needs of everybody in this process.
4: I think there's two things that are important. We hit on the one is that everything will be considered and reviewed and discussed. However, not everything will be adopted um, into the into the plan, but the second big thing is that uh, Brian Neswick, our director, has made it very clear that also don't let monetary um, constraints uh, impact people's um, ideas and, and how we move this thing forward. Um, you know, we will look at uh, costs and and uh, on, on implementing some of these strategies on the long term management plan for elk feed grounds. Um, but again, we don't want people to be to be um, constrained by what it's going to cost. Um, We will take that in consideration if we have to. We'll look at how we would fund these um, ideas um, if it's outside our current budget
2: capacity. Basically, if you have ideas, don't worry about the budget. Just get the ideas in. Very well said. So how can uh, those that maybe aren't up on these different sessions get in on it?
3: So I think first of all is just getting onto the Internet, watching these different um, week long or, you know, they're not a week long, but they're labeled by weeks, the different the different sessions that we have. So week one and week two are all about disease. So you can get on there and learn about all the diseases that that are on the the feed grounds and then. From, you know, about February to middle of June, we're gonna work to develop and write a long-term management plan. At that point, we're gonna take it out to the public, and so there will be an opportunity there for people to really make formal comments on this presentation if they haven't, in fact, spent more time ahead of time communicating with us. Um, There is an email on that website that will go directly to the steering team who is working to draft these. So people have ideas, or if they wanna get in touch with us, as always, pick up the phone and call. Scott and I are both here in Casper. And so, so you can definitely reach out to one of us, but there is also that email that will go out to the entire steering committee that is across the state. So, so those are two pretty easy ways to do it. And just know that formal commenting, um, will be, will probably be next June through the end of the year, just depending on, on how, how we get our act together and get it written and get it out. So
2: all they need to do is go to WGFD.yo.gov and find all the info.
3: That's right. Under get involved, you'll find information about our public processes. And this is one of them.
2: Excellent. I'm glad we've covered the feed grounds. If you have any more questions, you can go to the website again. It's WGFD.yo.gov. Scott, thanks for joining us. And Janet, as always, thanks a lot.
0: It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors on My Country 95.5.
2: Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, the place to stop in and check out all the latest that has uh, come in recently if you're looking for some stocking stuffers and sitting with Brian and Brian uh, we've been talking a lot about some of the stuff you guys have recently got in and, and nine millimeter shells I mean you guys are uh, sitting pretty there
1: well we got a pretty good shipment of uh, federal and uh, we've got a lot of uh, 22 mag uh, 22 long rifle we did get some nine millimeter in so uh, I think the days of uh, being afraid to go out and shoot are, are over for a little bit and uh, prices have kind of stabilized we haven't seen a lot of price increases so now just uh, need to get those orders that we've got out there but with Christmas coming up. I mean, that, that ammunition is a pretty nice little stocking stuffer. Yeah, I, I don't know that anyone would ever complain about getting some
2: 22 shells or 9mm shells.
1: No, no. That's uh, that's one of those things that a guy can't have too much of.
2: Now, uh, maybe you need a new 22 to go along with those shells. You guys have a great selection.
1: Yeah, we actually uh, have a really good selection of uh, kids' uh, 22, those those crickets and savage rascals. Those are always a great first gun for kids. A little bolt action, one shell at a time. Doesn't and cost mom and dad a whole lot to shoot it, and uh, for the uh, the older adults in your life, we've got some of the Ruger Precision's and some of the uh, full-size uh, adult uh, bolt guns as well. So, uh, just a couple of weeks
2: ago, I was in here and, and picked up a new uh, two-two-three rifle, a Savage. A lot of great selections for rifles, maybe to do some uh, coyote hunting this, this winter.
1: Yeah, coyote hunting uh, with this cold weather. I mean, the wind doesn't help, but uh, the cold weather definitely gets those critters moving. And we've seen a lot of guys. Uh, in fact, uh, the last weekend, they had a competition uh, in the state here, uh, their first coyote Best of the West uh, event. And uh, there's a handful of more of those coming up. But uh, if you're not a, a competition kind of guy and you just like the, the thrill of chasing those guys, uh, with this cold weather, it should just it should get better.
2: So not only do you have uh, the the rifles and you have the ammo the two two three five five six plenty there uh you guys even have a lot of the calls for coyote hunting.
1: yeah we do and uh you know we've got usually carry primos and some uh, fox pro uh that type of stuff lucky duck some of those calls are uh kind of behind and i'm, I'm wondering if it's maybe a chip problem just like the uh, vehicles and stuff right. like that but um yeah, a lot of the calls and scents, Uh we, we carry a really good selection of trapping supplies and we've, uh, you know, a lot of guys are getting into that that market now, too. Uh, also, Christmas dinner's coming up. If you're thinking about a
2: Traeger this year, you guys have a great supply of Traeger, the the grills, and you have all the accessories.
1: Yeah, and with uh, meat prices going down, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, purchasing a nice little prime rib to throw on that Traeger and... Uh, Traeger's got some awesome recipes available. They've got an app that whether you own a Traeger or not, you can still go and look at the their recipes if you've got a different uh, style of pellet grill. But uh, we've got some great seasonings. We've got about 8 or 9 different flavors of pellets, everything from the hickory to mesquite to turkey flavored, whatever you want. So, what I like about the the grills the Traegers especially, there are
2: lots of accessories to go right along with
1: them. There's a there's a there's so many good recipes now, and one of the newest things that uh, Traeger came out with is they have a meatless, uh, a wireless probe that just Bluetooths to your phone, so whether you have a Traeger or you just have a green egg, whatever the case is, it's a wireless probe that you stick in the meat, It uh, you can monitor it from your, uh, from your phone, so you never have to get off the couch. How great is that? <laughs> now that you just figure out how to
2: get a beer delivered to you, right? <laughs> Fido!
1: <Yeah.
2: laughs> uh, you know, also we're going to be hitting the time of year where we're going to have ice you know we've kind of been waiting for the ice to to set in but ice fishing and and cold weather gear we've got it all here Rocking my discount sports
1: yeah you know and everybody loves chasing those fish especially that first ice on uh we're really struggling with good safe ice right now but uh we're we're getting our Basically, our end-of-year minnow deliveries, and we've got plenty of stock for live bait. We're starting to get those maggots and those other little... live bait options available and we're going to have ice here before you know it and guy better get those tip-ups you know re-strung and uh, ready to go
2: get out here and check it
1: out of course
2: uh, if maybe you have a sports lover outdoor lover in the family and a gift card is up their alley they uh, have lots of gift cards here to a rocky mountain discount sports cy avenue and casper come on by brian thanks thank you
0: now it's wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on my country 95.5
2: All right, Janet, so uh, Ask Game and Fish, that's what we're doing right now. This is a time of year that's kind of odd for parents because, uh, well, kids aren't in school because of a little break.
3: That's right. The holidays are here, and and it is... While it's fun because we get to spend time with family and we get to, to be doing all the fun things that holidays bring with them, there's always that, hey, mom, I'm bored. Hey, mom, I'm bored. Um, and so so I have a list of ideas of things that people can do to get their kids outdoors during the holidays this year.
2: So how simple is it for people to keep their kids entertained when it comes to outdoor life?
3: Well, in Wyoming, we're really lucky, and it is pretty easy. And our director Brian Nesvik has an initiative called Inspire a Kid. And so, around this Inspire a Kid initiative, we have a fantastic checklist called the Yo100. And the Yo100 is a list of outdoor activities that kids can do all year round. And so, so there's a lot of things on here that. Um, You can do for the summer and there's a lot of things on here that you can do in the winter. And I would just encourage people to go online and if you go to the website under get involved you can find the inspire kid yo 100 checklist or you can just search that up in the the search bar and, and maybe you can find it too. But it's fun things like, this is what I know I'm gonna make my kids be doing, is chop and gather firewood so that we can have a little outdoor fire and do a little bit of s'mores and hot chocolate and kind of think about, you know, what we've done over the past year outside and kind of have some some reminiscing about the good times and, and even the bad times this year. And and so that's always fun to get kids out and, and uh, let them, to get kids out and let them enjoy, um some wood chopping, which is a
2: a good thing to know how to do anyway, in case you get lost outside or you know to be yeah, helpful
3: and and I never have an axe involved just as an FYI. It's more of stick breaking, which they enjoy much more anyway. There's nothing more fun than whacking your brother over the head with a really big stick <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, we've been there, we've done that, but there's there's lots of other things um, to get to go ride your bike on snow. I mean, that's a, a new and fun skill. I know if you you know any of the fat tire um, bikers out there, check out the fat fish racers. That a lot of them have the bikes now that you can you can ride in the snow. And and although snow comes and goes here this year, um, it is always a fun thing. And and this year you probably don't even need to have a fat tire bike to get out there and go riding.
2: I like that you can go right to wgfd.yo.gov and find out all of these things to get those kids busy and not just let them sit there on their tech.
3: That's exactly it. And don't forget that when the snow flies, you can have them looking for tracks of their favorite animals, and that can even be some mice in your backyard.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Janet. You can definitely go over and see more information about what to do with the kids at wgfd.yo.gov. And we have got all kinds of information at the My Country 955 mobile app. Now, if you missed any of our shows, we've done 20 of them now. If you have missed any of them, go over and give them a listen on demand at the My Country 955 mobile app. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk at you next week. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country
4: 955.